All right, survey of the Old Testament part two. Is it week four? Week four. Episode three. We're coming at you. Probably week. episode four, I think. Okay. Whatever episode it is. <laughs> Whatever we'll, week we'll find it out is. when they Whatever. post it. That's right. <laughs> Us and the one that listens. Um, <laughs> so we're excited to be with you. We're excited to be talking about the Old Testament. Uh, believe it or not, some people we've been surprised have... Uh, been questioning whether or not this was going to be exciting because it's the Old Testament, but hello, the Old Testament is exciting. It's wild. It is wild. It's wild. And so we're loving digging in a little deeper, and I think this is expanded beyond what we could have ever imagined in terms of our learning and how much we've grown over the last couple of weeks. So I'm pumped uh, to dive in again yeah. today. My name's Jared. We're with uh, Brandon Bridge Farmer. That's right. And you're uh, Jared Cagle too. Just, Jared Cagle. Why just so people that? know your last name. Okay. Yeah. I don't know. Hey, it's a bad habit. But on this podcast, we're family, and so by first name basis. Yeah, we exist for the one, and that one knows my last name, I'm (laughs) sure, because it's probably my daughter. (laughs) (laughs) Cool. Uh, Let's let's jump right in. I I was I think you were pretty taken back. I was certainly taken back um, by some of the feedback last night around the tables and the discussions that were happening. Uh, One in particular kind of light bulb moment for one of our attendees uh, that we've just been talking about today. Um, She, she actually said, Hey, like I've never seen Jesus taught as the central point of the entire Bible, including the old Testament. And, you know, BB, you're teaching the last couple of weeks. And that's been like the premise of what you're Mm -hmm. teaching us, that Jesus is the central figure. And we were kind of surprised. I think that she was saying to the point of like, Hey, I've never been taught this. I've never understood this. It's never been clear. Uh, didn't that blow your mind? Yeah. Shocked me. Um, and it's one of those things where like, I, I almost expect it outside of here Mm -hmm. because I feel like we do a good job of that. Um, but because you hear stories in the Old Testament where people are making it about us and they're just good moral stories. And, sure. Um, but I was shocked to hear why, why, are, why are pastors preaching Old Testament and not pointing to Jesus? I mean, that it blows my mind and it, and it scares me for the church as a whole. Like we should in everything we do, I mean, every sermon should point to Jesus. It's, it's yeah. a scary thing if we're preaching and we're not pointing people to Jesus. I don't know what we're pointing them to. Yeah. Um, but yeah, that, that question at the table, because what I wanted to do last night is like, yeah, the Old Testament's full of crazy things, right? We just spend, we could spend time on, we talked about it a little bit last week in the podcast, just the crazy stories that we see in the Old Testament, like God doing really things that um, shock you. But ultimately in it, you're seeing the beauty of Jesus, like this anticipation of, of Jesus coming on the scene. And um, so... To, to have someone in our, in our gathering and in, in our established teaching say, why, why is this not happening? Why are mm. preachers not pointing us to Jesus in the Old Testament is surprising and, and shocking. Yeah. And it, it was cool, too, because you could almost see the light bulb with her in the sense of, like, why would they not? You know? Right. Why yeah. would you not want to share this good news? Yeah. Because that is the good news. I mean, the the... You can't talk about some of the, uh, you know, the the darkest and deepest parts of the Old Testament, right? Uh, without wanting a redemption story, you know, like yeah, yeah. sometimes we're left with that. It's like, why would you not want to share the good news? Uh, it's really awkward that I'm getting the FaceTime call right now, right in the middle of this. Hey, 
I thought I had my phone on silent. We now. exist for the one, though. So, I mean, <laughs> this one wants know. to be a part I'm of the trying group. to decline it. <laughs> Uh, technology, man. <laughs> it's on my computer, I guess. Uh, you know, sorry about that. Moving right along. <laughs> We're just really busy people. <laughs> yeah, right. Took us four weeks, four uh, weeks to get one man. phone call in the podcast. <laughs> We're so busy and, and exciting. That's no, right. but, uh, you know, it's, um, it's hopefully a good reminder to us and yep. to other churches, you know, and other mm-hmm. pastors that like, hey, because I understand the temptation, you know, mm-hmm. to to motivate somebody with, uh, you know, you talked about, and maybe you'll share a little bit about the David and Goliath right. story and like, we want to identify with, you know, the underdog and right. like whatever. Yeah. Uh, it, I, it's, I understand that temptation, but man, how important is it that we, that we, uh, don't remove Jesus from the center of everything. And right. like exegetically, where mm-hmm. does Jesus belong in these stories? If you if you see the Bible in terms of he's the central point of it all, right. it changes the game. Changes the game. Talk a little bit about David and Goliath, though. I love that when you were sharing. Yeah, I mean, even that, I brought that up. Like, you know, so often when you hear a sermon on David and Goliath, you it's pointed to as you're David and you can conquer your fear. Um which like it's a tempting way to preach that uh, that story because it is it's an easier way to go at it right like um, but it's devastating to your hearer when it when it's actually tried to apply because you can't conquer your giants and so Jesus and that David is just foreshadowing that yeah. Jesus will conquer your giants yeah. has conquered your giants so Jesus is the greater David. As you maybe have heard that before. Or yeah. He's a greater Moses, but like David and Goliath, like you, if you want, if you want to be a part of that story, you're, you're the scared Israelite hiding, <laughs> like afraid of Goliath and the Philistines. Yeah. Like you're not, you're not storming the battlefield when yeah. there's a giant. Yeah. Um, I love that. If you, if you want to be a part of the story, yeah, if you want to be, like in. if you desperately want to, <laughs> if you want to throw yourself in yeah. to really any story in the Bible, right. pick the one that's a coward and yeah. is afraid. And that's probably yeah. us. And, um, and so, but I mean, that's throughout the, um, throughout the Old Testament, we did that series a few years ago in students called in the middle where we wanted to take Old Testament stories and go, Jesus. Jesus, yeah, like, that's good. look at the story of Gideon, like, Jesus, like, yeah. look at Moses, Jesus, and you look at David, and all these different... Yeah, that's good. It's Jesus, and... Let's, let's talk about that. So, yeah. let, let's talk about, I think it's helpful to talk about specific examples and places in Scripture okay. where we do see Jesus. Yeah. Uh, please share the Gideon. I don't know if you're prepared for the Gideon I'm not prepared for the okay. Gideon well, one, but Can we, we tackle it together? Yeah. Because I love that. Yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, while you're preparing... Okay. Um, for that one. Um, <clears throat> I mean, just even the first place I, I, we see Jesus really mentioned um, and foreshadowing and prophecy of Jesus is in right after the fall. So right yeah. after Adam and Eve screw up and disobey God, um, God promises that he will crush the serpent. And that happens from the offspring of, of Eve comes the line of Jesus. And so... Um, Jesus crushes the head of that serpent foe that tempted Adam and Eve in the garden. Like it will be crushed, even though like it's going to get really bad before then. Like 
God's going to send Jesus on our behalf. And, and so there, I mean, even leading up into that, like a little bit further with the covenant with Abraham, I love the story. I, I want to say it's Genesis 15 where we see God solidify the covenant where in the old days they would have to make a covenant, make a promise. Um, like the covenant, when you think covenant, think promise, but um, they would have in that time, which is crazy, they would have cut animals in half and their blood would have pulled into the middle and they would have walked through signifying if I break this promise with you, if I break this covenant with you, what has taken place to these animals will it take place to me. Wow. But in the beauty of that story is God puts Abraham to sleep and God walks through the blood on his own saying, whether I break it or you break it, I'll take the punishment. Wow. Knowing that Abraham and his descendants break that promise. That's, that's so powerful. And so we see Jesus take that punishment for us that he would make us a great nation. And so, um, yeah. And then you get into the Exodus and um, the Exodus and they get, you know, I mean, God's just conquering crazy things and Passover. I mean, Passover alone um, is, is a symbol in this, ritual that they would have done yearly, preparing their hearts for the promise that was to come, how God had passed over, had passed over them in judgment and saved them. And God would ultimately pass over us and our sin to sit through the blood of Jesus. And, um, the tabernacle. I'm just throwing this off until you're ready with Gideon, but the tabernacle, like God <laughs> sets up a tent to dwell with his people. Yeah. And, and then they would have a mediator that would go into the presence of God to make atonement, to make sacrifice for the people's sin. Um, and even that, the mediator, like, is a foreshadowing of Jesus. Like, Jesus right. would be our mediator, that he would go before the Father on our behalf when we are not able to go. And he, like, you think about that even in correlation to Romans where it talks about he's, our, he's interceding on our behalf, that Jesus, as we speak, is praying for us. Um, that's amazing. So cool, man. Um, you tell me when you're ready. Because, you know. Because <laughs> you could keep going. Gideon, you know, and this is kind of, we're in the time period. He was one of the judges. And so. Yeah. Uh, th- throw it out with Gideon. <laughs> yeah. You know what? I, so Gideon. Yeah. Isn't that the story where the guys, the army, like he, God was like, hey, take him to the river. And the ones that, that drink the water like a dog, those are the ones you take to battle. Yeah. Okay. All right. I can't find that. Like I'm desperately searching right now because we weren't prepared, but I'm pretty sure that's what it was, right? (laughs) Yeah. Okay. If you say it with confidence, right? No, I don't want to do that with the Um, Bible. Do not do that with the Bible. Yeah. Sorry. That was a bad, bad joke. (laughs) Do it with everything else in life, but uh, (laughs) confidence needs to uh, come from a place of humility, especially when it comes to... uh, exegeting scripture, but I used to have all my sermons on my computer. Man, Let's see. The, if I still have the them. Gideon story, uh, with the way that God uses weakness, you mm. know, and, and like he, literally saying, Hey, we're going to go, we're going to go fight this battle in mm-hmm. this army. That's huge. Right. And I'm going to show you how powerful I am because I'm going to take you to the river and I'm going to say, hey, let's, let's see who all drinks from the water like a dog. And it, dwindle, it dwindles your army down to like 100 people. Right. And then they still go and win the war. Well, yeah, it's even that. It's, Gideon is even battling that idea that God will never give you more than you can handle. 
Oh, good, good, like, good, good, good. Come on, trump that real quick. Well, I mean, you're correct. Like, that's <laughs> true. And But it's even that idea of, like, how often do you hear that? God God would never give you more than you can handle. Yeah, you hear it all the time. But he does. 2 Corinthians 1, nine. Indeed, we have felt that we received the sentence of death, but it was not to make us rely, or it was to make us rely not on ourselves, but on God who raises the dead. Yeah. Um, Gideon was set up in this in, impossible, impossible scenario. And, and what does God do? He shows off. Yeah. The same as Jesus. Like we were set up in this impossible scenario. There's no, there's no hope. There's no hope for us. We are an army that has been dwindled and is not capable to stand on our two feet. And Jesus stands before us. And, yeah. um, and so in that case, uh, Gideon is not a picture of Jesus. Um, Jesus is in the story in terms of his power to right. save and to redeem and to work even when we are in our weakness. Yeah. But you, you that's a great example because in like the story of David and Goliath for example that we talked about earlier David Jesus is the greater David, right. you know. And a lot of times we try to cherry pick that and and say, "Oh, well if I can't find Jesus in the main character, then I don't, I can't find Jesus anywhere in the story." Right. That's not the case. Sometimes like in the story of Gideon you see him working through the power of redemption mm-hmm. and saving the people. And, you know, of course, it, we know that Jesus was there in the beginning, right? Before creation, he was there. Right. And so there's never been a moment in history where he wasn't present. Yeah. And so when you, when you see the Bible through that framework, it mm-hmm. changes how you, can, how you see Jesus in the stories. Right? Yeah, I mean, everything. It's not even just in like characters that we see in the Old Testament. It's these, I mean, and when we say characters, we, we believe they're real people, right? Like historic, these are historical stories, like real life yeah. things that happened. Um, but even in like these promises that God's making, he's constantly making covenants and reminding them. Um, I even think of the Exodus, the whole scenario of the Exodus, whether... It's when they came out of Egypt or in the minor prophet, major minor prophets, you see the exile out of even um, captivity where from the Babylonians or Assyrians or whoever is, has conquered them in that moment. But um, you see these promises like I'm going to make a way and it's con- like all- always pointing back to God doing it. So if the Old Testament, like if we're hearing stories of the Old Testament and you're the hero of the story, yeah. like you're the one that's going to get you out of this and do like that person's probably misspeaking yeah. when it comes to the Bible. Like you, we're ne- we're never the hero of the story. Yeah, that's a good rule of thumb. Um, and he, to even go to the New Testament, Paul, who we would all like like to be like when it comes to a relationship with God and a knowledge of God, he three times progressively just realizes his sin. I'm the worst. Of, I'm the um, what, I'm the chief of yeah. sinners. I'm the chief of, then he goes down to like, I'm the chief that decide like all the disciples. And then I'm the worst of the apostles. Like mm-hmm. he just realizes like, I am so depraved and messed up. And, but I think just in the, um, even in our, the covenants that God makes, I love in Jeremiah 31. Let me pull that up. You got anything to say before I get here? No, I think, I think that's, I think that's huge. I don't have anything to add to that or take away, you know? Not that your word is is the word, but... It's not my word. It's hopefully his (laughs) word. But in Jeremiah 31, verse 31, um, it's the new covenant in Jeremiah, but it says, Behold, the days are coming, declares the Lord, when I will make a new covenant with the house of Israel and the house of Judah. 
So even in that sense, like the kingdom of God in Israel had split between the northern kingdom and the south kingdom. So Israel, south, Judah, north. Mm-hmm. Um, not like the covenant that I made with the fathers on the day when I took them by the hand to bring them out of the land of Egypt. My covenant that they broke, though I was their husband, declares the Lord. Let that sentence wow. tra- like yeah, set wow. in. For this is the covenant that I will make with the house of Israel after those days, declares the Lord. I will put my law within them and I will write it on their hearts. I will be their God and they shall be my people. And no longer shall each of them teach his neighbor and each his brother saying, know the Lord, for they shall all know me. (laughs) Mm. For the least of them to the greatest, declares the Lord. For I will forgive their iniquity and I will remember their sin no more. So God's promising like, listen, I'm, it's no longer that my law is just written on tablets, mm-hmm. on stone. I'm going to write it on their heart. Yeah. And it's no longer that you're going to have to make sacrifice atonement yearly for I will forgive you and remember it no more. And this all happens only through Jesus. Yeah. So when Jesus gives us regeneration, like he saves us, he, yeah. he writes the law on our hearts through the Holy Spirit and then he forgets our sin. Like I talked about it last night, like God isn't up in heaven, like forgiving us, but still holding on to that list of sins. So when we do fall, he can throw it back in our face. Like he forgives it and remembers it no more. And that's the beauty of the new, like the promise that we see fulfilled in Jesus. And, and it's just saturated throughout the Old Testament. I had a conversation last night too about, um, I, I love the honesty of like, I, Reading the Old Testament is hard, so I listen to it, which I'm like, man, whatever, however you get, like, mm-hmm. taking the Bible, yeah, that's fine, like, sure. as long as you're taking it in. And it's not just someone telling you what to think, but um, how bloody and gruesome the Old Testament is, and it is, but it has these beautiful grace and blessing moments where you see God wanting to redeem his people, wanting to solidify that relationship. He's not just mad and but he wants them to know and obey. And, um, and that is solidified in Jesus. Yeah. And so that's why for me, like even getting ready to teach this, like the old Testament's just become so much more beautiful to me because it makes Jesus, when you get to, when you get to Matthew and you get to John and you see like Jesus step onto the scene, like he's so much, he's a breath of fresh air. What they had been hoping for and longing for so much is there. Mm-hmm. And, um, and you see it live out. You see yeah. like how the law was burdensome and Jesus like, well, I didn't come to abolish law, but I, f- I fulfill it. Like yeah. I am the way to God. Yeah. Like I'm the way to be holy. And um, so I don't know, like I just yeah. think we should get so excited about the Old Testament, even with its <clears throat> impossible names to pronounce and, <laughs> and crazy yeah. amount of history. So Yeah, no, I think that's great because holiness is still the plan. Yeah. Righteousness is still the final frontier, if yeah. you will. Like yeah. that, that is the goal. That's what's set before us. That's the joy. Mm-hmm. Like it's never, you know, before Jesus came and died and rose again, the righteousness, the people, well, I mean, today they're still trying to do this too. We, we try to attain righteousness on our own, right? Yeah. Under our own authority, under our own, you know, by our own ability. And uh, it was the goal then to be righteous, to be holy. It's still the goal now. But the difference is now 
we have someone to trust in mm-hmm. that impugn. Oh boy. Oh boy. I did it again with the big word. Imp- impudiates or impugns, right? Or imputes. Imputes. It's not impugns. You got, listen, when it comes to words, you maybe sometimes just gotta say it with confidence. <laughs> <laughs> no, this is a pretty important doctrine. Uh, uh, yeah, impudiation is the is the full. Yeah, I never say that full word because I would mess we got it up. a lot to edit out this week. Impute, <laughs> imputes. That's how I would say it. But I'm from. I've never been to seminary. <laughs> well, he places his righteousness yeah. in imputes. He imputes it. Yeah, into us, like yeah. uh, not of our own. Merit, not right. of our own ability, not of our own works, not, you know, lest any man should boast. Like this, this righteousness that we have obtained, yeah. and not only do we wear it, but we, it's, it is us now because yeah. of Jesus. New creation. New creation. It's given. Yeah. Yeah. And that's the beauty even to, like, it's not just that it was given and then we've got to figure out what to do with it. It's empowered through the Holy Spirit. Mm-hmm. So, like, righteousness, you were covered, put yeah. on new. Yeah. And then empowered through the Holy Spirit to walk in this obedience. Yeah. And I even love that you said that that was the goal before Jesus was obedient. It was the goal before the fall. Yeah. Like yeah, you think yeah. about like their place in the garden and they're given, all right, this is all yours. Just yeah. don't eat of that. So obedience was on the Always. table. Like obedience isn't a result of sin. Like we, it wasn't we sinned and then God's like, oh, I guess I got to teach you how to obey. Right. Like, Obedience was always a part of the original the creation plan. And so I think that's even important. Like God, like God has something for us in our obedience yep. to him. And that's right. And it's because it's joy. Yeah. Like they walked in perfect harmony with God that's exactly because right. of their obedience. Yeah. Before and anything happened. Totally. And that so often we can take the, this is, this is, I think the broader point. So often we take the old Testament and leave it over here separate from the New Testament. And we say, now that we have the New Testament, mm-hmm. the Old Testament doesn't matter. And it's it's obsolete. Mm-hmm. And, you know, that way is gone. And now we have grace and we're living in a new. And the reality is, if you look at the whole Bible, you see, like we've been saying, obedience has been there from the start. Mm-hmm. Righteousness has always been the goal holiness is always what God created us for. Mm -hmm. And of course it was fractured. And of course that sent us down this path where we needed Jesus to come and redeem everything. But we have to see the Bible holistically Mm -hmm. for what it is. You can't throw out part of it and rest on the other part or stand on the other part. And when you do it that way, it's easier to see Jesus throughout the whole thing. And it's easier to see that God's goodness has prevailed the whole time. He he didn't desire for our holiness in the beginning because he's some like what, like anarchist up there, like whatever. Yeah, like this yeah. is he desired it because it's good yeah, <laughs> and yeah. it's best for us. Yep. And that's it was it was the perfect plan from the start that's and right. it still is. That's right. Uh, but because of the fall and the separation, now Jesus has made it possible for us to be reunited that's and reconciled. Right. So that idea of you see when when we're obedient, blessing occurs. And not blessing in like prosperity and wealth and that kind of stuff, though maybe, mm-hmm. but it's re, it's unity with God. It's That's relationship it. with God. And then when disobedience occurs, judgment happens. Mm-hmm. You see that on a massive scale in the Old Testament. Uh, but thanks be to God, we have Christ. Yeah. Right? 
Um, we have the perfect t- sacrifice. We have the perfect yeah. uh, David. We have the perfect Moses. Yeah. We have all these things that we're meant to point the people to Jesus. Yeah. Solidified. Yeah, and, that's it. Uh, and we can trust Fulfilled. in that. And, and, and he, the, the great shepherd, mm-hmm. the better shepherd, the greater shepherd, yeah. left the 99 for the one. That's right. And so... We exist. For the one. For the one.